Welcome to a Fresh Perspective podcast, catering to the latest in ingredient trends, consumer insights, and food news. Brought to you by Corbion. Welcome to a Fresh Perspective, the podcast where we talk about all things food. I am CJ. And I'm Jenny. And today we are going to school. We're going to get schooled in enzymes. I need it. I need, I, I need the learning. I didn't know how much I needed it until I started reading about all of this. And I was like, what? Like fifth grade science was not enough. Isn't it kind of rare that you start to read about something and then you're like, oh, wait, oh, I now need to learn more. Well, I, yes. I was like, we need to call in some experts. Okay. I'm excited because I love our expert today. Yes. Uh, so like today, yeah, we have Kathy Sargent, who is the strategic innovation director at Corbion, who we work with on the regular. Um, and she is our enzymes expert. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Hello. How's it going? Great. I'm happy to be here. Back, back, back again. Happy yeah. to have we you. Just keep have you coming and coming and coming. Always. <laughs> So are you working are you you from home, Kathy? Is that where you are right now? You're in a bit of both, but right now I'm home. <gasps> oh, okay. A little bit of both. Yes. How has uh, the remaining pandemic been going? Doing anything fun and exciting? Uh, sitting out in the front yard, enjoying some good weather, good fire pit from time to time. So, oh, surviving. I took up trying to bake sourdough, and it was intense. <laughs> it is intense. How'd that go? <laughs> I mean, I just didn't realize it was like a multi-day process. I thought it was going to be like, whip this into some dough and throw it in the oven. And it was like, no, start on Friday, have bread on Sunday. Sunday. It and was. it might be nasty if you jack it up in any of the steps. You know, mine came out surprisingly well. Uh, maybe some of hanging out with all of the experts rubbed off on me over the years, <laughs> but it came out all right. I mean, the bottom was a little crispy, but other than that, it looked good. It looked, be it was the prettiest homemade sourdough I've ever seen. It's far prettier than mine. Well, today we are going to let you take us to school on enzymes. We just want to take it back to the basics. And we were reading through some of our materials and just felt like we needed to introduce the world again to the glorious, miraculous enzyme and what it does in baking. Oh, chemistry class. If only they taught chemistry in the world of breads and cupcakes. Right? I remembered a lot more back then. I so would have as I was reading some of the, like I was just Googling it even, and I was like, man, if they could have just tied this back to baked goods back in school, I would have been living Let's my make dream it life. It would have exactly. been so much easier to learn. So let's just take it back to square one, back to the basics. Right. What even is an enzyme? Okay. So enzymes, well, first they're everywhere. So they're in our bodies. They're part of our digestion. They're part of everything that functions. They're in all of our plants. They are part of how plants make their own food, how they grow. So the enzymes, when we're talking, I mean, they can do all different things. There's enzymes that cut things apart, which are the ones we talk a lot about for freshness. Uh, there's enzymes that stick things together, move things around. Um, but when we think about the ones that cut things apart, and when we think about food digestion, think about saliva in your mouth. And the enzymes in there are going to take starches, which are just big, long chains of sugar stuck together. They cut it apart, so now it tastes like sugar. So if you mm. take something like a banana, 
that especially if it's real green banana, it has a lot of fiber. It has really long chains of starch over time. The it enzymes are going to break it down and it gets sweet. But also if you hold it in your mouth, the enzymes in your mouth start to break it down and it also gets real sweet. So enzymes are a natural part of ripening. They're a natural part of tenderizing a meat where they're just cutting up some of the different fibrous materials and making it more tender. Uh, so they're just little proteins that are just super effective little engines at working. And one of the things they do is break things apart. Ah, so they are hmm. supernatural. Yes. Like, we find them. Our bodies. Like All a the hero. Ones that we use are found in nature. So people go find them somewhere and put them in a library. And then we just find ways to grow them up through fermentation to get a whole bunch of them and make them an ingredient. So when it comes into the baking world, I know that there are several or more than one enzyme that you use. What are they, what are they doing in like our baked goods? So when I talked about how they cut things apart, that's a real common way that we help with freshness. So if you think about the starch, so like think about starch is like this tightly little packed bundle of strings of sugar in wheat. We make it into flour, then we put it into bread when once we've added water, heat in the oven, we add all this energy to it, all those molecules get really excited. They start moving around. All those, if you think back to like your protons, neutrons, everything expands and they get excited. And so that's gelatinization. So you reach a point where everything leaches apart and expands and now it's this big squishy um, starch which is wonderful because then you, you set your bread, you get this big loaf, you've aerated it with yeast, your proteins are the, you know, holding it together and making it tall. But nature is really pesky in that it made that starch in wheat and it wants to go back to that. And you can't see it because it's at such a small molecular little of that chemistry level, but all those molecules are realigning. And when they do and they restructure and realign and they want to get very ordered because nature likes order. I don't, I don't know. Um, but when they do that, it creates thicker walls. It leaches out some of the bad flavors. It leaches out some of the water. It starts to get roughed, starts to get dry, crumbly. So what we do is those neat little scissor tools we had while it's baking. So all this happens in the oven with the enzyme. Uh, it goes in there and cleaves, and we can have very specific places that it cuts up that big network of starch, and it interrupts the ability for it to realign. So we just kind of screw up the mess in that big web. We kind of create interruptions, and then it's much slower. It doesn't uh. reorder as neatly. It doesn't pack together as <clears throat> tightly, and then it feels fresh. It's not losing all of its moisture as quickly. It's not releasing all these stale flavors that we don't like. And so it just really slows that process down and all we've done. And then those little enzymes, they're super minor. They're little proteins. They are deactivated oftentimes by heat. So then once you're done baking, they're actually killed off. There was hardly anything in there. They were nature. They're natural to begin with. Your bread is still just your normal starch. It's just kind of messed up a little bit. So in my head, I immediately took this to like Mario Kart. (laughs) <laughs> and now I'm like, enzymes are like the red shell that hits you before you win. And they're like the little roadblocks that make sure that yeah. you know, you're slowed down. Yeah. This process is stopped. Yes. Yeah, like Pac-Man, well, put some extra roadblocks in there. Right? <laughs> and yeah, 
I remember, Kathy, you talking about it on the like news updates that you do for mm-hmm. the for bakery for Corbian. And you were talking about how nature, like they want to become what they were at one point, right? So like the wheat like, would like to yeah. re- degenerate back down into just wheat. And so you're saying that the enzymes actually stop that process from happening. Stop they them interrupt from- it. So they dramatically they slow it. I mean, in some okay. ways, I mean, it can't go fully back to wheat, but it wants to All go right. back to being as ordered <laughs> as it can. Cause you're right. It's like, I made it this way and I want to be this way, but we tend to try to screw it up as much as possible. Yeah. We had talked about it once before and we were like, why, why did this, why does it stop? Like, why do they stop working? Yes. Do they run out of food? Like, what are they doing in there? And but, it's, it's yeah. deceiving because a lot of the data that you'll see, especially for shelf life enzymes, um, a perfectly brand new spanking fresh loaf of bread, you can design it different ways to where you might want the original that's non-treated to taste exactly like the one that has an enzyme in it. So you can't tell the difference. But then over time, the one that hasn't been interrupted is going to stale really quickly. So that's where like day-old bread gets hard and starts to dry out. If you start talking about a couple of days, it's a rock. Uh, But once you've interrupted that system, you see the difference. So people get this perception that the enzymes Mm. kicking in and active on day two and, and, you know, later in shelf life, day like week two and three, and I've eaten your old bread, but that's... But really, it's not that it's starting to function. It's just you're starting to see the effect of what happened way back when it was baked in the oven. So it is deceiving because everyone's like, it's got to kick in. It's got to do its thing. And I'm like, well, it's kind of done. There's some enzymes that will have some residual activity. They have to be very tightly controlled. Original versions of baking enzymes were pretty aggressive. And you'll talk about... Especially, so an example is like honey buns were just notorious for this. Because they're fried and that cleaving process happens while the product's cooking, um, it's a very short fry time. So first of all, I had no idea that honey buns were fried. It's a fried food that you- It is. That's why they're so delicious. They're so delicious. And they come off that fryer fresh. Nobody should ever try them unless you- like own a bakery and have your own fryer and you can do that daily because they're amazing. Most people don't know donuts are fried either, especially at cake donuts. They think it's baked because it's a cake. They're fried. I love them. I like to get the ones at Krispy Kreme because you can watch them fall off that thing and then go under the icing thing. Yeah. I'm always amazed at like the contraptions they have in the manufacturing facilities where it's like flipping the donuts automatically and like certain yes. times. Isn't it, it fascinating? fascinating? It is. It's like a Willy Wonka factory. Like when you are in there, it's just like, Oh yeah. When I first got into the, like when I was in school and I'd get to start touring the bakeries and like you watch all the cakes and the filling and the donuts and the bread. And then I'd go to like a Danian yogurt plant or a blending (laughs) plant. And it's like, well, it's a tube, (laughs) something in it. And the big goods, there's like water. So much more. Yeah. It's like a waterfall of icing, like trickling down. I'm like, I live here now. This is my life. I mean, waterfall strings icing, coming out. first of all, I feel like we should name a band that, like. Waterfall <laughs> icing waterfall? Waterfall icing. <laughs> um, secondly, I want one somehow. Like, can you put one in one of those chocolate fountain In the class I, I took, you got icing? to control it too. You know, you just pulled it and it would, like the little yes. lever and it was like, psh, psh, psh. yeah. See, yeah. we should be the Willy Wonka makers, clearly, CJ. I mean, I'm in. I, but... I could get a funny top hat and a cane. There you go. Dun, 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 dun. Um, 
So this will lead us directly into our favorite segment. <laughs> will it? It will. will it lead us to that? It's led us directly. <laughs> oh, I'm scared. <laughs> We're eat, save, that. give. Now it's time for Eat, Save, Give. A thoughtful peek into the heart, minds, and taste palates of our guests. This is at least the third time you've played Eat, Save, Give. But yes. for all of the listeners, Eat, Save, Give is our segment where we will provide three amazing food options and you have to decide which one are you going to eat now which Mm. one are you going to save for later and which one are you going to give away and there was no rhyme or reason to the foods that i picked today other than they are like guilty pleasure things that i have been craving um, so you're gonna have a hard time again again Again. so eat save give first buffalo wings your choice, bone in, bone out, whatever dressing you want. I know, I've been <laughs> hardcore. Um, mac and cheese. You can have it loaded. Oh you gosh. can have it from wherever you want, mac and cheese. Or just like a good, delicious plate of loaded nachos. Eat, save, give. <laughs> eat, save, give. What are you going to do? I'm going to eat the nachos. I don't like soggy nachos. You got to eat them now. They're loaded and they're like cheese and meat and jalapenos. Yeah, I'm eating the nachos. <laughs> um, I have a very guilty pleasure with macaroni and cheese. Like it doesn't even have to be fancy. I love all macaroni and cheese. I do not discriminate. It is wonderful. <laughs> I will reheat it. I love it. So that's probably what I'm going to save and enjoy later on. And wings are fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. Giving those away. Giving those away. Mm. I'll give those to you because I know you need some extra. I do. Jenny, (laughs) what are you doing? Oh, man. This is a hard one. You picked a lot of my favorite stuff. (laughs) For all my favorite things. So I really want to eat the wings, but I'm not going to because... I want the nachos too. And like Kathy said, they, I can't let them get soggy because then they're not even nachos. It's True. just nasty. Right. So I might as well eat the nachos now. And hopefully I have a margarita to go with them because that's the way to eat nachos. It's appropriate. It has to. Agreed. Um, and then I'm going to save my wings. Although I have a caveat for the wings. I need them to be from the anchor bar in Buffalo, New York, which oh. is the best place. I mean, they, actually it's where they invented Buffalo wings. And so they are incredibly good there. Um, and don't dip mine in ranch. Give me the freaking what? blue cheese. That's, no, blue cheese is what they're meant to go with. Don't be crazy. I thought you were just going to say no dressing, which was like oh, panicking okay. me because I was be like, like, no condiments? Don't be a Midwesterner about this. Get yourself the blue cheese dressing because that's what goes with it. And it's delicious. So these wings that are so good, are they saucy? Are they dry? Like what makes them the best wings ever? Um, they are, they're saucy the ones mm. at the anchor bar. Um, but they're like that perfect amount of crispy under the sauce. That's you know, what I like need in my life. And then sauce on top, which is, okay. oh my God, it's so good. And then I need like a literal like swimming pool of blue cheese. Cause I need the whole thing to be covered in blue cheese. Like Every. where it's like, down. It's lovely to watch me eat these, by the way. Are you bone oh, in, bone out? I like the bone in, but I'm a weirdo and I don't like the drummies. I want the little wings. Me I don't too. like the drumsticks. Ugh, literally, there's weird stuff on there. So There's you're someone giving like a- petitioning that bone out wings aren't wings that you need to like. I mean, it's a chicken finger. On what they are. The they're a chicken I mean, finger, chicken nugget. They're a chicken chunk. They're not a wing. I it's a chicken chunk. Yeah. They're good. 
I mean, I'm not like against them, but if I'm going to have wings, it depends on who I'm with and what time of day it is. But I'm kind of the perfect chicken wing date because most people want the drummies. And so I'm like, no, you can have all those. I want the little wingets, the little flat ones. So you're giving away the macaroni? I'm giving away the macaroni. I have four children. We eat macaroni like, I don't know, six times a day here and and (laughs) over it all the way around. So, all right, that's mine. Sorry, that was long. Mine will, I mean, mine is identical. I will eat the nachos now. I wasn't going to, but you guys made a compelling case for them getting soggy. And I was like, crap, I do have to eat them now. So I will eat the nachos now. So we can just like have a nacho lunch party. Mm -hmm. Um, I will save the buffalo wings for later because now with the miraculous uh, air fryer, I can crisp them back up. Great point. I would also like to save the macaroni, but I will give it away, unfortunately, for this yes. moment. I know. Actually, sometimes I cut the buffalo wings up and put them on my macaroni. Oh, buffalo mac. Oh. Buffalo chicken mac. I've done Delicious. that with, like, pulled pork. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's really good. So wow. that's our eat, save, gift for today. And you apparently have all the macaroni, Kathy. I'll take you it. You can have mine. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. At Corbion, the word impossible doesn't stop us. It gets us going. As a leading global ingredient supplier, we create sustainable food solutions based on renewable resources and natural processes. We are obsessed with solving impossible challenges for our customers. Let's partner together to find solutions unique to you and preserve what matters most. Corbion, keep creating. (laughs) <laughs> so we are joined today by Kathy Sargent, the Strategic Innovation Director at Corbion, and we are just taking it back to the basics with enzymes. And we've talked about, about science. Yeah, what they are, how natural they are and clean label. We started talking about what their functions are within the bakery world and how they're out there cleaving things and stopping uh, or yeah, starch retrogradation, right? They're stopping. Yes, I don't know why I had to do this for that long, but <laughs> I, <laughs> think that just I think that you network. just worked that word in because you know how to pronounce it. I know. Retro- I was like, let's do this. I can do it. Say it right. Something. Starch retrogradation. <laughs> retrogradation. So now I just have a couple, like I want to head into like what qualities that's bringing to the bread. So when you've got the enzymes in there, and we talked about it bringing freshness, but like what does the consumer see from that? Or like when I p- purchase bread, what? What am I looking at? Great question. So, because we talked a lot about just how they cut things up and how they interrupt realignment, but you can, so you can target that perfectly fresh, perfectly, you know, newly fried straight out of the oven texture, or you can actually change your texture. So consumers could expect a couple of different things. So you could actually modify the way it eats and tastes and feels or you can just make sure that it's consistent as possible. Um, so the some of the modifications that we can do is because of the way that we adjust the starch, you can make products seem more moist. So they feel like there's more moisture in there. They feel more wet and fresh and, because moistness is a very key indicator of freshness for consumers. And it's not actually adding more water, which is important when you think about mold inhibition and stability. Mm-hmm. But because we've created little small groupings of these sugars, they're very mobile and they're floating around in that whole system. And it feels moist when you consume it. As you make some of the longer chains and you cut them up, they kind of stick together. And that sticking creates a kind of a tackiness that goes with a moist feel. 
So you can kind of balance how tender versus how sticky you make a product. So especially in donuts, like cake donuts are usually kind of tacky and sticky and you want more of that feel. A yeast donut, sometimes you want it to kind of mush together and melt away. Other times you want it to have really big balance. So you can customize it. And then the good thing with enzymes is once you customize it, like we said, all that happens while it's cooking in the fryer, in the oven, when it's baking, then it's done. So now it's super consistent. So So for the consumer, you can premiumize or customize the eating experience related to couple different characteristics I'll go into. And then it's really consistent. So it's consistent for longer and it's also more consistent against any kind of abuse. So abuse could be a lot of things, whether it's temperature, if it goes into a refrigerator, that actually usually stales things really fast and causes them to realign. Well, now we already screwed that up. If it goes under heat abuse. Putting it in the fridge makes it mold faster? Makes it stale faster. So you can no. slow down mold. What? It's like Mythbusters in my head. I was like, every like, don't always put, put the bread, bread in the fridge. And I learned when I started. You can like, if you've got the right enzyme in there, and I then you're see. fine. But without it, How it stales know? really fast. <laughs> oh my was god! Mine when I heard, I was like, what? <laughs> I've been lied to my entire life. Yes. My grandma was doing this wrong. She was putting all her bread in the fridge, so I just yep. you know copy that. Totally screws it up unless you interrupted all this because it just stales super fast in there. Kathy, how do you decide like what flavor profile it is that you want in order? Because you're going to take like the enzymes and change them to do to make it like mushy in your mouth or make it really firm. Who says like this is the right way? And like, how do you figure that out before you make the change? Good point. So we work with a toolbox. So as an ingredient company, it's very important that we can customize to our customers' needs. So it could be, you know, they want to differentiate from their competitors. They don't want the same thing. They have different brands within their portfolio. You know, certain regions like cakes that are really tender that you can bite through. They don't feel dry or stale, but they don't have a lot of bounce. Yeah. Um, others okay, so want things that are driven. super moist. It is very customer. And then they work with consumers. Cool. So they understand the region, the brand expectations. And so we can help them, you know, manage the shelf life itself, manage the level of moistness, the level of tenderness. And the other is the resilience. So resilient is really important for different applications. So for breads, usually the more, the better, because that's the springiness. Is that what stops it from getting like squished on the shelf from like all the loaves on top of it? Forever. (laughs) Everyone told me that they want the perfect soft brick in bread because you want to eat something soft and fresh, but you want to stack it on the shelf and you don't want it to crush. So So it has to be a brick too. It has to be a soft brick. And you have to figure out how to balance that because, well, if you make it too soft, like in the beginning, it's just softer is better. Let's tear apart all this starch, make it as soft as possible. That's what consumers want. It'll last forever. Well, getting it through a high speed manufacturing, it's going to crush. It's going to not go through the slicers. You put it on a truck, it's going to, and even if you're trying to put peanut butter on it or eat it, it's like, there's no tear. It's terrible. Can't have a hamburger bun where your buns is like, so if you (laughs) get bounced back in that structure, which is our resilience, now you've got soft, moist, fresh, but it's springy, it's spongy, it's 
super pleasurable. So some products you want that you don't really want a a cake that you can bounce as much. So they're usually not tender. I mean, those are the first things I look for. Like in, when I'm walking down the bread aisle to get like sandwich bread and I'm always like, is it soft? And does it look like it got mushed? Because right. I don't know if you why do the squeeze the test one, and I mean, it just goes, mm, then, you're, yeah. then you're done. No. And also no one else is going to buy that bread loaf either. Yeah. We've crushed it. It's done. So yeah, another question done. that just popped into my head then. So if, which is kind of separate off of the softness, but if the enzyme is cleaving the starch into like sugars, right? Mm-hmm. Does that, is that what gives bread some of its flavor? Yes, like, it can. Because it's, okay. I didn't know so, that. you know, all of it is going to, just like fruit, as it changes, it can change. But some enzymes, depending on how they're designed, so some will create those small sugars and some won't. So we can control if that changes some of the texture. We can control if it impacts the flavor or not. Oh. Um, but we can actually increase so the deep. sweetness in bread. Yeah, and I think the majority of consumers just assume, like mm-hmm. myself, um, that there's a bakery, they have a recipe, it's a secret recipe, they bake the recipe, and then they put it on the market, right? And, and what the process you're describing is like this scientific, you know, tweaking of all of these amazing things, um, you know, based on what the customer wants, like, how cool is that? Like, I can come oh, yeah. to you and say, my bread is not a soft brick. It keeps getting twitched. Help me with that. And then you're saying we so, can create an enzyme that'll do that. Yep. Absolutely. For cool. Who knew? Right? I mean, I didn't know. I'm learning so much. Well, on the side we haven't talked about, because we've talked a lot about freshness, but enzymes cut, but they also can connect and they can create emulsions and they can interrupt, you know, the lipids in there, which are the fats, and kind of make them emulsifiers. They can... Um, all these other things related to tolerance and structure so they can build strength. So we talked about it through resilience, which is what we do a lot in how we change starch, but we can create that strength by modifying some of the other components as well and interacting with the proteins. And then you start to get robustness, tolerance, boldness. Uh, and that's also how we remove a lot of chemicals that consumers don't want to see anymore. So when you're talking about tolerance on the manufacturer side or like what, building the dose strength, the, Mm-hmm. Is that to stop, like, I, I'm not a baker, obviously, and like we talked about, I tried to bake sourdough, and it was a rough process. Like, I was definitely not, like, doing everything like I should be. Does it help accommodate for that, or? Exactly. So, if you think old world bread and the sourdough process you went through, there's enzymes naturally in that flour already. So there's yeast already in that flour. Those, as you give them time and nurture them and do this long process, you're going to get benefit out of them. You're also giving your dough time to condition and to ferment. It's creating organic acids. It's creating lactic acid in there. It's getting flavor. All of that is giving it conditioning and strength. Mm-hmm. Well, skip ahead to high-speed manufacturing, where now we've got mills milling flour and sending it directly to the bakery, which is called green flour which is so fresh that it hasn't oxidized, which loses functionality. So first we need to kind of get, we can use enzymes to help speed up that oxidation and get consistency in flour quality. Uh, We need tolerance in the fermentation step. And a lot of times they aren't doing that, or at least it's not for very long. So they might be having a very short ferment. Mm -hmm. We can speed it up with enzymes that creates flavor, creates conditioning, creates strength. We need to manage the dough rheology during mixing 
through makeup so it's extensible but it's not too sticky that it's forming into the design we want through proofing that it's going to get the volume that it's it, you mentioned all those racks and things in a bakery bakeries are very harsh they're very high speed they're flying through there there's pans banging up together and it's not like your kitchen with a souffle where you can't jump up and down this is like it's tough and yeah. so it takes these types of enzymes and ingredients to help build that boldness that doesn't collapse then it goes through the oven. That's where we get all this wonderful interruption of the starch. And then the consumer has no idea all this happened. Right. So what That's we've what done is we've taken this labor of love that you talked about that was pain in the keister to nurture. <laughs> it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time to get the flavor development, to get the quality. We have inter or added these functional ingredients that have impact at each stage of the process. So now we can move really fast from mill to bakery to process to consumer can hold it for much longer. And it's still really good. We don't sacrifice quality right. and it's cleaner in the end. Yes. yes. It's so all insane we've done to me. It's... is that this little magic dust of proteins, they do their little thing. They usually die off. There's like nothing there. And they all kind of- I need magic protein dust in all of the areas of my life, please. Yes. Right? Like, um, I need my kids to be a little more well-behaved. Sprinkle a little magic protein. First, little enzyme dust there. It is Fix definitely right an art and a science. Second, if you haven't tried to bake a loaf of bread, which I know all of you have, but afterwards I was like, they should be charging way more for bread. Like this was <laughs> insane. <laughs> It's hard. I was if like, they had to do this. it that way, they would. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And and third, I feel like I enzymes are so miraculous. It's it's saying to me how much they can do and all of the different things yes. they can do. Like oh, it's yeah. just CJ Wation to all the different types there are, it's so much fun. And all the different yes. controls you can have, when they work, what they work, work on. How you I would like to it. do like a field trip. Could we do like a podcast field trip to yes. a bakery and oh. watch them sprinkle the magic dust and things? Sure. I mean, or I mean, obviously that was not a good idea because I got crickets, but <laughs> I, I think it sounds really fun. I, I love mean, going to bakeries. I love bakery going to them as awesome. well. I don't know if they would let us do a podcast or if it would like be loud, like, oh, like a problem. Dang it. But well, Maybe. I think we should tour them because Still want a field it trip. is insane. Yes. yes. So, well, we are out of time. Time. But any last final words of wisdom on enzymes before we call it a day? Uh, for enzymes, uh, they're magic. They're wonderful. They have so much to offer and the innovation just keeps coming. So I think it's something don't be afraid of. Uh, they're not scary at all and they can bring so much to our quality and we can continue to enjoy the products we want the way we yes. want them when we want them so so awesome. exciting well yes. thank you for joining us it was yes, great to have thank you. you thanks for having me and if you guys are looking for more information on enzymes or what they're doing in your baked goods and what they can do in your baked goods yeah make sure you head on over to our uh, blog thebakerstake.com while you're at it make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast and our YouTube channel as we point in random directions so you can uh, stay up to date on all of the new podcasts and videos that will be coming out. And on that note, I'm now craving a honey bun, also macaroni and cheese and buffalo wings and all of the other things we talked about. So I'm going to go find something to snack on. Don't forget, keep creating. <laughs>